This is the Podswoggle Network, a podcast network with entertainment. Fuck it. Let's go. Just get up on that motherfucker. Just get up on that bitch-ass mic. And we're going to fucking do this picked-up style. Shit. Welcome back, couch potatoes and TV junkies. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Picked Up. My name is Robert, and I'm sitting here as always with my good friend, former roommate, co-host, executive producer, Rich. Yeah, we're still working on things and sounds and shit. This sounds different, cool. If not, cool. Don't worry about it. Forget I even fucking mentioned anything. Add audio engineer onto that list. Audio engineer, equipment manager... Uh, resident crazy man, Rich. That's it. He he wears many hats in the picked up uh, hat store. And I, and because I wear a lot of hats at one time, I look like a crazy person that's wearing a lot of hats at one time. Absolutely, yes, it's true. He's wearing them now. Well, hey everybody. Hey Rich, how you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing good. I'm doing really well. Uh, aside from from losing my mind. He he does a great job setting up all the the audio and technical aspects of this. I think in terms of our friends uh, on Dilettante Ball, Johnny is the one who records and sets everything up, and Spencer is there to just... Spencer talks. Spencer talks. Spencer talks. Well, it was pretty close to our relationship in that Rich, Rich <laughs> is the mad scientist with the equipment, and I'm here to, to talk about TV. And that's what we do here. We talk about television. If you're tuning in for your first episode or if you are a longtime fan... The, this is picked up. Rich and I use this time to talk about television. We Every week we'll watch a different show that is selected through some means. Uh, we'll watch the pilot episode, and we will discuss, talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, see where that conversation leads us. Um, yeah, we have a lot of fun doing it. I have had a great time, yeah. so I'm good with that. Yeah, uh, in conjunction with our new format for Season 2, um, the show this week was predetermined. Uh, if you didn't catch last week's episode, it was Rich's elevator pitch where he revealed that we were going to watch the show Axe Cop. And uh, Axe Cock came. Axe Cop came. Axe Cock. Axe Cock came as a suggestion from one of our loyal listeners and good friend, Jeremy. Jeremy Outnan. So uh, thanks a lot, Jeremy. Do you want to get right into that, or do you want to talk about a little bit uh, what you've been watching uh, before that? Yeah, we can uh, we can take a little time uh, to discuss what we've been watching. And again, and just send a sh- another shout-out and thanks to Jeremy. Uh, Jer- what Jeremy did was he left us a rating and review. We'll get into that at, towards the end of the show if you want to suggest a show for us. And he posted on our Facebook. But yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. What are we watching? Lately? I don't know, man. What you've been watching? I watched more Kolchak, and it's great. I also I took a photo, and I'll be happy to tweet this out. This is really only going to be pertinent to people who live in the city of Chicago, but as the show was filmed on location in the mid-'70s, the city looks a lot different, and there's actually a shot of him driving over the Well Street Bridge, which is right next to the Merchandise Mart, mm-hmm. and there is nothing built there except the merchandise mart wow it is fucked up how little is there and how much has been built in the past four years well they're still building up a lot around that area too like they're still building like condos and shit you know how in futurama like the city is so big like you you kind of like can't see the sky very Mm -hmm. much Mm -hmm. 
that's kind of how that part of Chicago looks. And in this shot, it is very different. But so, yeah, I watched another two or three episodes of Cold Check. And maybe it's cool. Yeah. Um, you watched the season finale of Rick and Morty? That I did, yes. Yeah. Yes. And you as well? Yes, I did. Woo! Doing things. Things to where this isn't your typical animated show. And so it's not just going to pick up not where it left off next season. Like, they're going to have to address Rick being incarcerated in maximum security in an intergalactic jail. I loved the stones it took to to do that Yeah, on the season finale and tell everybody, like they did in the post-credits scene, that you're just going to have to wait. Yeah. Well, that's a regular show. That's a normal show. Yeah. That's any live-action drama. That's mm-hmm. how that works. And the reason why like, it's so shocking for them to do it is because it's an animated show. It's an adult swim show. It doesn't. It's not supposed to matter. Exactly. I'm very glad that they have like the you know whatever it would be, just respecting them in their product to take it seriously. It's not just like a, one big joke. It's yeah. a show now. Well, they take it as seriously as as they do uh, for still, and I'm very glad he's back for having like a character named Mr. Poopy Butthole. Mr. Poopy Butthole. It's it's you know it's it re- those aspects remind me a lot of uh, South Park in that there's just in like horribly you know gross out type things or just stupid juvenile humor, but it still takes itself seriously on a, on a, a much higher level, um, which is great. Absolutely. Um, uh-huh. What else? We got Rick and Morty. You, you were also, what was the other show you mentioned? Review? No. Review, review. Yeah. Review had its season finale. Yes, it did. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, uh-huh. Or maybe not. No, it's brilliant um, because the season finale of Review, he was asked to review what's it like to believe in a conspiracy theory. To which he's like, oh, well, what's one that I can kind of sink my teeth into? And so he starts delving into the conspiracy theory of what this show is and how many times he's like almost died. And, and if there's some sort of like conspiracy out to like kill him uh and through then, the show through the show <laughs> and so he just starts following that wormhole and it's great and it's fucking great god damn it i can't i can't praise that show enough heck yeah then there's some new shows that are coming back new shows that have come back gotham came back and we haven't even fucking said a word to each other about it because i haven't been watching it i, I know have you haven't there was a uh, – I did see that uh, – the rise of the villains. There was a, a death uh, on the show. Oh, really? Of a very of – a, of a character that I didn't really like that much, but I guess it really rose to fan favoredom, and they killed him. And so I uh, – ah, fuck it. You remember that kid um, at the circus who was like very clearly like one of the Joker – like red herrings, yeah. Like the youngest yeah. kid, so he kept coming back, and they just killed him off in this last episode. Um, and I was reading a review of that oh, episode. Oh, wait, wait, he was the one with like the smile and the laugh, and he's the one who like killed his. Oh, okay, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I and you, so I someone was uh, saying that's like, hey, Gotham, you kind of just killed your most compelling character. So way to way to start the season off that way. I don't know. I mean, 
But if he was a, a Joker red herring, he kind of can kind of see that happening. I would like unless people wanted him to be the Joker. I want the show to be on long enough to actually show its hand as to its Joker origin because I kind of feel like it's almost lost esque where they just they're just throwing shit right now with no real grand plan they, of making it work. They know they're gonna have to, mm-hmm. uh, but they're just like, all right, well, let's get all, all of our shitty ideas out of the way. Yeah. But, like, it sounds in getting all of their shitty red herring ideas out of the way, they, uh, like, almost the, the, the second one, technically, that they used, they, people liked. So I was like, well, fuck. Now this has to be great. Yeah. And then we're screwed. You know, I was listening uh, to an old uh, interview because you brought up Lost. Um, and it was uh, uh, Robert Kirkman and Damon Lindelof mm-hmm. were uh, on the show. And the guy who fucking ruined Prometheus, <laughs> that guy, I hate him. Sorry. <laughs> um, he, uh, someone in the uh, crowd was a Q and a, someone asked, uh, Kirkman, like if he has an ending in mind for the actual, like either the TV series or the comic books of the walking dead. And immediately Lindelof stepped in and said, don't fucking answer that man. Don't fucking answer that. I'm just, uh, look, man, I know. Don't don't even don't don't even trip, dog. It was it was a great it was a great moment in showrunner. We're not even showrunner, just TV history, TV and, writing history. Well, do you think that that's is that fair? I mean, is that fair both as a question and as a writer as a reaction to that question? I think well, that it was a, it was, a, it was a funny reaction just for sure. the shit that he got for Lost. I know that guy. I think took the brunt of a lot of that. He did that angst. He did. And JJ he ruined Abrams. Prometheus. And he ruined Prometheus. You dickhead. <laughs> I just thought it was a funny moment. That's yeah, really what it was. For sure. Um, uh, but there are some new shows coming out. Yes. Ooh, one yeah. more quick thing. Yeah. Tag on. Um, a friend or acquaintance, and actually friend of the network as well, Patrick Connolly, yes. uh, posted a, a Flash, I guess maybe series finale, uh, spoiler or something, or he didn't actually post it. He warned about it. There's a twist that just happened in a recent episode of Flash that if you're a comic fan, was is probably the coolest single superhero television plot point that I've ever heard of. Uh, I can't, I don't know if it's going to have really the impact if you're not a big fan, but it's a, it's really, oops, sorry. It's a massive, uh, massive like turning point for like the potential of the show so yeah that's really cool jump on some flash i know that is not descriptive at all (laughs) but i don't want to spoil it it's just really cool watch the flash look up look up flash number 123 just search flash 123 okay it's from the silver age it's probably from like 1966 maybe look up the name jay garrick jay garrick jay garrick okay Figure out who Jay Garrick is. Who is Jay Garrick? Um, and Arrow came back. We still haven't watched any of Arrow, but nope. you know we know we should. Um, I want to talk about a show that recently came out called The Grinder. Okay, it's a Fox show that came out just a couple of weeks ago, starring Rob Lowe 
and Fred Savage. Yes. Um, and I watched the pilot because it was getting good reviews, and it was it was fine. It's very. What's the word I'm looking for here? It was very premise driven. I feel like. Is there something about like an attorney and his brother returns? His brother is he an attorney or is he like a movie star? He played an attorney on a show called The Grinder. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, and and so uh, Rob Lowe played this lawyer on a show called The Grinder for like eight years, and it was essentially kind of like a very David E. Kelly esque type show. And now he came home after the show, and he's trying to like find himself, and his brother is Fred Savage. Um, and, and Fred Savage is an actual he's attorney, an actual attorney, as is their dad as well. Uh, it's like a family, uh, uh, law firm, uh, in like Iowa or some shit. And, um, and the pilot was good. It was fine. Um, you know, I like watching a lot of those people in the show. And then I actually, this morning watched the second episode and it started out with a really great, like the cold open, it started out with a really great meta conversation about second episodes to shows and how they have to like reestablish, reestablish the premise uh, and like, you know, and, and, and pitfalls of like coming off a good pilot. Uh, it was great. It made me laugh really, really hard, especially knowing that we were recording today. Cool. Uh, definitely check that out. And the rest of the episode was, was, was really good. Like every time it starts to lull and dip, it, it, it brings you back up. And, uh, it's still very reliant upon its its premise right now and and the gimmicks of that said premise but it uh it it it's it'll grow with its characters and i think it it's given itself um a lot to work with there in that aspect so um and it's got great actors in it as well between i mean rob Lowe is Enjoy him while we got him before, like, his face caves in or something like that. And, you know, he doesn't look like he's still being preserved from, like, 1987 or some shit. Before the devil returns for his due and sucks Rob Soul's, uh, Rob Lowe's soul out of his body right in front of us. Yeah. Well, that is cool. I noticed that show as well and found the casting to be really interesting and, yeah. and drew me in, you know. Um, and there's a lot of other like actors on the show that I just you know you love from like just watching things. Yeah. Uh, like their dad is played by uh, William Devane, who I can't even tell you what he's been in, but he's been in at least 13 things you've seen, and he's always usually like a, a like a heavier-handed character or something like that, some sort of heavy. Um, and in this, he's just having fun. He's just the dad that's like egging all this on. It's pretty funny. Um, uh, just in, uh, introduced in the uh, second episode of the show is Natalie Morales Morales who played uh, Lucy on Parks and Rec who was Tom Haverford's girlfriend Aziz Ansari's girlfriend okay who was always a character that like as soon, whenever she would show up on the screen you're like yes that's great one more her and then she like went away for a little while and then they brought her back towards the end and she's great and I uh, like the little Parks and Rec connection between Rob Lowe and her and um, there's also uh, uh, Steve Little who was on uh, Eastbound and Down uh, which I never really watched a lot of that show, but what I did, I did like him. Yeah. Um, I did watch a lot of Eastbound and Down. Did you? I am uh, I think there are camps of pro-Danny McBride and anti-Danny McBride. I'm in the pro camp. That is the perfect 
wording for that. Yeah. I have, I fucking tried to like Danny McBride so much. And there's a few things that he's in that I really like when he's not like hitting 11 on the Danny McBride scale. Like I liked him or, or, or just in small doses. Like I love him in Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Uh, I, I fucking love him. I love this movie in general, but I fucking love him in Up in the Air. Mm-hmm. He is great yeah. in Up in the Air. But, like, there's other shit where I'm just like, I can't fucking do this right now. <laughs> I think Eastbound and Down worked for him because, uh, and this is just my opinion, but that character was such, like, an asshole. Right. Um, that it was good. It's like he, it's like instead of just starting out, at baseline and going over the top, mm-hmm. it's like he digs himself a hole as such an unlikable person mm-hmm. that that energy or that you know whatever the magnitude of his performance like sort of just brought him back to an acceptable level rather than just being over the top. I don't know. Okay. I really liked it. Yeah. No. And I know people do. And I, I've like I've given it a shot. I got to give it another shot because like there's still a billion other people that get involved with the show that I that I really like. If you watch one episode, there's one episode where he's a retired pitcher and this retired batter like runs a dealership in town. Did you see that one? No. That's a great one. That's probably the <laughs> the best like single sample size episode I could recommend. I the I can't remember who plays the batter, but somebody famous. Um is it um oh shoot. Feel bad. Who is a African American comedian actor? Who was in? He was like the bouncer in uh, Knocked Up, and he's a part of the whole Apatow crowd. Craig Robinson. It's Craig. I think it. I think it might be Craig Robinson, who is the uh, the famous batter to Danny McBride's pitcher. Okay. It's a pretty funny episode. I think so. If I'm wrong about that, I'm sorry. <laughs> um. One day, I'll, one day I'll get him. Yeah. One, one day. One day. Uh, and then, yeah, aside from that, um, just, yeah, haven't really had too, too much time. I've wanted to watch more Kolchak. I just haven't had time. One more quick question. Yeah. Um, I know that you're a big, uh, Edgar Wright camp fan. Certainly. Have you seen any of space? Absolutely. Okay. I just recently, uh, saw hot fuzz for the first time and just reignited. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. What a great, great movie. Yeah. Um, but so it ignited my interest in that. And like any thoughts on space or recommendations? Or Absolutely. Uh, it's fun to watch spaced because it's, um, it's basically like watching Edgar Wright in film school. Oh yeah. Yeah. You see a lot of the uh, same like camera techniques, uh, that he'll use in Shaun of the Dead and hot fuzz, uh, in, in spaced, um, certain lines you hear, uh, that you re- that if you hadn't watched Space before, the, and you heard in Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz, like are in Spaced, and you're just like, oh, oh, neat. Um, and it's just good like storytelling as well. It's it's not the American version of that show has those two roommates like immediately like they're the romantic interest of, for each other, and it's like th- that show had no interest in that, and that's not what the show was. And it got two see two runs, two series runs. Um, just being, uh, just exploring whatever that was. And also, there's like a really young, uh, 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 Ricky Gervais 
in a very bit part, like like basically an extra role. Cool. <laughs> in, the, in like an office, uh, which is a nice little now Easter egg. Like it's not something they obviously put in then, but I love I love how there's retrospective Easter eggs. Yeah, looking back yeah. on stuff. Yeah, like Martin Freeman in Shaun of the Dead, uh, and Hot Fuzz for that matter. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know that scene in Shaun of the Dead where you have Sean's group and then they run into his ex girlfriend Yvonne's group mm-hmm. uh, at like that little intersection in a backyard, and then they have like the foil for each one of those characters. Uh, uh, Martin Freeman played. Yvonne's new boyfriend, so he was like the Sean, like her Sean. Yeah. And like as they like all walk by, like oh, oh, oh all right, yeah, um, yeah. And so you, you didn't have a line in that movie, but it's like oh yeah, there's Watson, that you know there's fucking uh uh uh, uh the Hobbit, you know. Yeah. There's this great fucking actor. Guy's got a role coming up in Captain America three. That's right. That I'm unclear as to what That's it right. is. Yeah. Uh, he was the main character in fucking Fargo last season. Yeah. Which that's coming back. I'm looking forward to that. Ooh. Apparently it's fucking great. Um, I love, I love what that show does in where it minds its story from. Uh, cause I, and here's the thing. I've never actually seen the movie Fargo. Okay. Um, but my uncle was telling me to watch it and, uh, what he said was basically the premise for the, the, the show was just basically plucked from like this one thing that happened in the movie and kind of extrapolated upon that and like brought it to another world mm-hmm. to th- this other little kind of like story. Uh, and what this season does is it takes like a line that like some old timer said in the first season and just basically extrapolates off of that. And I think it like, takes place in like the 70s or 80s or something really yeah that's great yeah right it's very like i don't know it is it's interesting it's smart it's a good way to like to take great inspiration like that movie is so such a great like source of that stuff but you you know again i think people just try and retread a property too close to the original right. thing and then it's like no it's there's fine. no reason to do that and it won't work because we've seen it. Exactly. And it's fine if you want to have like a, that nice little sliver and wink and nod of connective tissue. That's great. Right. Uh, but then make new. Be right. new. Exactly. It's just a jumping off point for you to, to do your own shit. And um, also Walking Dead comes back. Um, we'll have a comeback by the time this comes out. Uh, and so – I'm 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 all in on everything. Well, not everything Walking Dead because I didn't watch Fear of the Walking Dead, which I feel completely justified in not watching because there's obviously a lot of promotion and hoopla by AMC for Fear of the Walking Dead, and then it premiered, and I saw a few people post about it, and then I never heard of the show again. Yeah, how many episodes was it on? It was probably it was probably like you know twelve or something. Exactly. Yeah, I think fun. I heard about it the first two weeks yeah. it was on, and then nothing really. Nothing, and that's the thing. That's the thing that I love about it. I I, I hadn't heard anything good or bad. Right. Like I, I I wouldn't even see anybody post like, well that was garbage. Fear the Walking Dead. Jeez, fucking never be this or whatever. It's like no, I just I'm 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 fine with that. I like that. I like it. Just. I'm fine with it just existing. Whereas, like, Walking Dead, I'm very invested in. And I want to be very good. And 
I don't know. I'm, lo- I'm really looking forward to this season. That's good. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, I, I have nothing to say. I mean, just Walking Dead is something that was basically tailor-made for me to be, like, on the, the ground floor of, mm-hmm. and I just never watched it. There was, uh, uh, in that same interview, <laughs> Kirkman had some... Kirkman's, a, uh, like, a dark, funny dude. Like, yeah. he's got a, a very funny, dark sense of humor. Um, <laughs> like someone asked him, like, you know, oh, what's your uh, zombie apocalypse plan? He's like, well, I'm just going to give my stock answer. This is something they actually printed in a TV guide. I just hang myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, when Robert Kirk, this was probably 2007, Robert Kirkman was writing Walking Dead and Invincible and came to the comic book shop that was in my town. Mm-hmm. My uh, shout out to a good friend of mine, an awesome dude, Rick Shea, owner, manager of Famous Faces and Funnies in Melbourne, Florida. Uh, lifelong friend, shout, um, great guy, excellent businessman, and so um, Robert Kirkman visited the store because we were because Rick knew how great Walking Dead was right from the get go. Visited the store and everything. I was probably seventeen, and I had pink Chuck Taylors, and I just remember getting razzed by Robert Kirkman for my <laughs> pink Chuck Taylors, and uh, yeah, wearing your pink Chuck Taylors. Yeah. I don't know. He's ah, damn. He's got a voice that it sounds like I can make, I can do an impression of, but then I just obviously I try and just like oh no, he's just whatever. I don't know. Just yeah. stop. Um, well, he also mentioned about like having written stuff in the book, and then like now he he's, he's a regular writer on the TV show and going like, oh fuck, uh, like that's gonna be a pain in the ass, like logistic wise, uh, on the show. Like I guess at a certain point, like Rick loses a hand. Yeah. In the book. And <laughs> so he just <laughs> he's like foreseeing all these scenes in the future of just like like if they had to like because in the comic, whatever, it's easy. But now like uh, so it's more so like regret of like writing that because like he has to write all this shit in the comic now. And it's like whatever. It's a comic. You just fucking go to the next, you know, p- pain. And uh, uh, but like for the show, it's just like, oh, yeah, like buttoning a shirt's going to be a bitch. Yeah. For Honestly, sure, it's pretty funny to me. Yeah, um, that is fun. Was he the guy who I think said someone was like, "Are there things you wish you would?" Oh no, it was Vince Gilligan. Gilligan, right? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And someone was like, "Are there looking back on Breaking Bad? Like, are there things you you know you would have done differently or written differently?" And he's like, "Yep." And they're like, "Do you want do you want to mention what they are?" He's like, "Nope." nope. <laughs> Uh, I've mentioned on the show before, but I'm sure one of them would be um, the fucking uh, uh, Marie kleptomaniac uh, storyline. Exactly. Yeah. Exact. Exact example. Um, so let's fucking get to it, man. Yeah. So the show of the week this week, our first ever listener pick from Mr. Jeremy Outen, Axe Cop from 2013. The first, the original run of the show is on Fox in, in 2013 as part of their animation domination block. How many incarnations of animation domination have there been? I feel like it's over now because on Sunday nights, I know they have Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is also back, which has also been great, uh, as well as uh, The Last Man on Earth, which that might be a show uh, that... I hope is on the the air for 
seven seasons because the season premiere of each season will probably be fantastic and then fall off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get seven great episodes out of it. And you know what? I'm fine with that because you could like pit like stitch those together and like, yeah, that's like a, a really great funny movie. Fuck. I'm sorry, but just one more quick tangent. Yeah. Um, they could jump like because they could do like a different year every season. Sure. Like, and like in this apocalyptic yeah. situation, it would probably be even more useful to do that. Just be like, yeah, well, a year's worth of shit. He comes back and he doesn't have his hand or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but just in that seven episodes, you could see the first seven years of of the post-apocalyptic world. Yeah. Yeah. So back to fucking Axe Cop. <laughs> Axe Cop. Okay. Um, you have to – Excuse me, because I don't know the names of the creators, but my understanding was the creators were a father and son. Uh, this was Axe Cop was originally an internet comic, which was drawn by the father and written by the son. This was the source of all the batshit insane premises, the characters, the non sequiturs. It's all because pretty much I think like a four year old boy was creating the story. Yeah, and it's uh, completely. Apparent, but uh, the dad makes it work. I think he gives some subtle guidance so that they can get through a whole story. Sure. But just takes joy in illustrating this completely ridiculous, you know, the most imaginative thing you could do. And it <laughs> – I – because you, you explained that to me uh, when we were picking the show. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious to see whether or not – I would feel the same way about the show not knowing that yeah. going into it. As I'm sure that's how it was being presented to the rest of the country was without that backstory, without that like history. Without the benefit of knowing that this is how this show was This is was written created. by a four-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but – and like knowing that, it makes it great. It's manic. It's fast. It's, you know, it is tailored to, like, <laughs> you know, the ADHD kids of, of, uh, of us. And, uh, but it's also highly entertaining. Mm -hmm. Looks great. Um, funny as hell. Great voices. Great voices. I believe Axe Cop was uh, voiced by Nick Offerman. Yes, he was. Uh, and I can't even like keep up with the rest of these damn characters, but like was the one friend, um, or the one hero or whatever voiced by Rob Hubel. Was that who that was? I'm not sure, but that did sound a yeah. lot like him. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that was pretty much like my takeaway from it. It was manic. It was fast. It was funny. Yeah. It was very, very funny because it was, it was random, but also like it had that, that children's logic as well because like it would establish something wackadoo and then it would say because this right you know and like not that the the justification was any more logical but just that there was justification <laughs> i think was in its in its favor i think that that is the added benefit of like Again, it's not a four-year-old in the writer's room. You know, yeah. I'm sure there's a whole fleet of writers. Yeah. But they managed to take that voice and use it very well. You know, like you said, just imaginative, fast, like loose, funny, all sorts of great stuff. It's um, 
it's very interesting to see it translate from from the comic medium to the television medium because and I took like whole classes about this in school but it's very specific how you read a comic and like how that translates like having a one panel gag um it it's a completely different mode of storytelling than you can achieve on like a show but I think the show still managed to do it with like you know again a lot of the dialogue a lot of the cutaways um yeah uh it was an eight minute show I don't know yeah it was eight minutes long (laughs) so and it's it wasn't you know deep or profound or anything It it just was what it was that's why I'm like I'm afraid we're already out of stuff to talk about for it it was just it's it's low risk, high reward. Just watch it. It's great. Um, I'm so, interested about the legs of this show. You know, how do you sure. how do you make the show longer than one season? Given that, you know, there, there yeah. doesn't seem to be a lot of, uh, I don't know, it's not stakes. Maybe stakes. The preservation. They just be real stakes yeah. in the show. They just uh, be like meat stakes. <laughs> That's what Axe Cop would do with this. The preservation of the show, yeah, because it, it, it's it's not a network. Obviously, it's not a network animated show uh, because it did, and this year, get moved to FXX, uh, which is definitely much more on brand for what this show yes. is doing. Although, the show strikes me more like on, on brand and in line with like a – and I don't even know if these networks still do this anymore, but like on Nickelodeon and and Cartoon Network, I feel like they used to have like these interstitials yes. of like cartoons and stuff like that. Like in between, like you know, if if a certain show like ran quick or something, or they had just had some time to fill, they would throw in like these little little interstitial cartoons, uh, and or like alternately. I could see this on a show like uh, the uh, the ilk of like a Kablam. Yes. Do you remember Kablam? Oh yeah, yeah. So I could see this on that, and then it eventually getting spun out from that into its own show. That is exactly what I was thinking about. That it's almost just perfectly designed for that two three minute kind of short format. You know, something that's like a an additional thing. You know. Yeah, and it worked in the the time frame that I had. I don't know how well it would work if we watched it and there were like actual commercials in it, you know? Yeah, like that's that's a, a weird thing that like we haven't had to think about for a while, or at least like whenever <laughs> we watch, you know, TV on Netflix or however you get it. If you're a cord cutter, chances are you're not getting too many commercials, and it's really interesting. Like I know Walking Dead just from remembering. You know, my memories of watching Walking Dead during uh, uh, while I had cable. Same thing with uh, Breaking Bad was great about this is like, yeah, it's one thing to have great cliffhangers at the end of an episode, but they'd have like these huge tension building moments like right before going to commercial. Mm-hmm. And you go to commercial, you're like, oh, <laughs> all right, well, fine. Just a few minutes. Yeah, they'll be right back. Just knowing how to break things up into different beats yeah. is a really, you know, it's an art to be able to do that well. And and uh, in just listening to interviews with like different showrunners and and television writers, it um it is a helpful tool like writing around the commercials and knowing like when there's gonna be when all right we're going to break here we're gonna go to break there and then that it helps you like 
playing the beats out. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a show like this, as as manic as it is, and just like full throttle, like the, it, it never like takes a moment to breathe. Yeah, there's no silence. In no. This. In the show. <laughs> so, like, a commercial would, I feel, uh, uh, be jarring, almost. You'd have to, it's like, again, eight minutes long, like, yeah. You couldn't break up any one segment into yeah. two. Because like, it was also clear, like, w- the moments where, like, they did go to commercial. Because it would, like, have the, the music swell and then fade out, fade in. But then, like, automatically we're back. And so we don't miss a beat. Yeah. Um. So back to the what you what you just brought up a few minutes ago. Had you not known the origins of this show, and you'd just been exposed to it and its character, what would you? How do you think you'd feel differently? Um, I I feel like uh, after I gain my footing back, because <laughs> again it's so fast, I'd be like, what is happening? Uh, but after, I'm just like, okay. I, I got to get up to speed with the speed of this show. And then I figure out, like, okay, this is what it's doing, and this is great. I, I, I still would be 100% on board with it just because I, I love that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, of just – we talked about this in the Aquabats episode too, I think. I'm just, like, est- like establishing something insanely loopy, justifying it just as loopily, mm-hmm. uh, and then just moving forward because this is the wacky world we live in. Yep. Um, and I, lo- I, I'm, I'm fucking for that. Like, you know, cause it works as opposed to, again, another show that we got where it was like problem solvers, where it was like weird world and it's, and there's no justification of anything whatsoever. And just like, fuck you. We're living in it, but fuck. Mm-hmm. It's like, well then, you know, no, no, no. Fuck you. Cause your show sucks. Yeah. Weird for like the sake of weird, you know, without any kind of, I don't know, vision or conceit behind it. Yeah. Whereas like. Like you said, another great example, Aquabats and Axe Cop, both very clearly, like, know why they're telling the story this way and why, you know, it's so fun. Yeah. And if, uh, just since we have the time, if you hadn't watched, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's eight minutes. Uh, Stop it. Stop what you're you're doing right now. Uh, If you're at work listening to this. Like, chances are your boss isn't going to roll around by the time this episode finishes. So just watch it. Just go on bio break. Go on bio break. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, uh, just just watch it. Uh, and if you refuse to watch it, the story is... Uh, Unrecappable. <laughs> it, it really is. Um, Axe Cop goes on night duty, finds Warthog Man crying... So what happens? Like, oh, the the king of all bad the guys. king of all bad guys ate my fr- or like took my friends. So well, we have to go get a dinosaur horn. <laughs> I'm gonna stop. I'm just gonna stop. And they and just imagine from that point, yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, I uh, pick it up. <laughs> I pick it up too. It's fun. It's awesome. Try and go find the the original comics because again, this is hard for me to articulate, but because the medium is different. The comic is even can be even funnier in certain moments. Okay, yeah. Like I think I've seen fights. It's like an ops. Uh, you know, it's like Axe Cop was getting ready to fight. You know, the tarantula or whatever, and then he asked him to leave. And then like the next panel is like, and then so he left. And it's just like the tarantula walking away. And then that's <laughs> it. But the the breakdown between panel to panel worked super super well, given the 
again, the non sequitur kind of storytelling of a little kid. It's like, oh, yeah, we're done with that. That's like another thing. Like the narration is like, oh, and he forgot about this. And they'll just drop stuff <laughs> just out of nowhere. It's like, oh, how are we going to get out of here? And then just cut to the next plane. Yeah. It's like, and they were out of there. A lot of it reminds me of like playing with toys as a kid. Yeah. You know? Uh, and just that, yeah, device of like, and then we're going to come over here and do this, and then turning like other action figures into other people and stuff like that, just like using using what you got. It's, yeah. it, it is a, a really great uh, revisitation of what it was like to have a fucking pure imagination, man. Pure imagination. Like, it's one thing to be imaginative as an adult, and like that's why we get like so taken when something's like, oh, my God, that's so – that's so great and whimsical and everything. But, like, compared to what a kid could fucking dream of, it's just they don't because they're not represented by Philip Morris. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it's, it's fucking small potatoes. Oh, yeah. It's insane. And this show, the last thing I want to praise the show for is that there's a, another character of, like, another cop, a more ordinary cop who you see at the start and end of, the, of this episode who sort of – he serves as a foil to, like, the lunacy – they don't call the show doesn't call out the ridiculousness of itself, which yeah. I think is good because it'd just be like self-referential for no good reason. Yeah. But they do. It's a good foil. Like <laughs> he invites Axe Cop to dinner, and Axe Cop just declines. And at the end of the episode, Axe Cop shows up at his door in the middle of the night. He's like, "I'd like to take you up on dinner," and he's like, "Okay." When? He's like, "Right now." <laughs> <laughs> and the guy, he's, he's like, obviously like not expecting. It. He's like. You know, uh, yeah, they were sleeping. Okay. They were sleeping. Yeah, he comes to the door in a robe. So it is nice that the show, again, good foil to further elevate how ridiculous it is, just to see a normal person every once in a while. But I can't stay for dinner, so I'd like it to go. Yeah, and then the guy's like, "Okay, well, I'll just get the Tupperware." We got Tupperware, and again, um, the the performances are fantastic. Like Nick Offerman was pitch perfect to do this role. Yes. Nick Offerman is is so fucking good, and it's going to be through things like this that he's not going to get pigeonholed as as uh, uh, as Ron Swanson. Yeah. Which you know there are there are certain. I mean, he kind of brings it on as well with like the books that he writes, um, and the fact that he actually is pretty masterful when it comes to woodworking. Uh, but he's also like. <laughs> funny chill wild dude uh like he was on a bunch of episodes of adult swim like really or not adult swim uh a show that's on adult swim which this also feels like an adult swim show yeah um as far as the length of it goes but he was on children's hospital a lot sort of like at the early run back when it was uh like a web series i don't know if he's come back or not I haven't really kept up with that, but that's an example of like him just like playing sort of like this different type. Um, he actually just guested on the Muppets this past week, and was just kind of like a <laughs> kind of like a Hollywood douchebag sort of. Okay. Because uh, like Fozzie left the show to go like write a movie, and so they brought in Nick Offerman for like a week, and Kermit was just like, "We owe you one." He was like, "Okay." I'll take a cappuccino machine. <laughs> what? Like you said you owe me one. I'm cashing in on that. That's great. Uh, and then, like, you know, it escalates throughout the episode. But, yeah, it's fucking great. Um, he's great. He's fantastic. I just I want him to just keep 
getting more shit. Me too. I hope he's someone who, you know, great writers know that they can utilize his talent in a number of ways. So, And if not, like, he's pretty good at creating gigs for himself as well. Like, him and his wife, Megan Mullally, um, they, they had a show up, up here, like, a few months ago. Yeah? Um, yeah, at the Chicago Theater. Uh, yeah, they did. Oh, yeah. man. Should have gone to that. Yeah. That's ugh, there's so many fucking shows, especially during the summer. Like you can't make everything up here. Yeah, it's insane. Um, yeah. How quickly would you watch like any kind of reality format with Nick Offerman, like his wood shop or his going camping? Oh, with, sure. It's like immediately you just immediately be down with that. Like if it was just on, you know, like if he had just like a travel channel show. He exactly. Hell He'd be yeah. Perfect for something like Hell that. Hell yeah. Uh, so I'm good. I am satiated talking about Axe Cop. Yeah, me too. Pick it up. Great show. A lot of fun. Written by a four-year-old. Goddamn right. That's all you need to know. <laughs> but it works. I want I want uh, more shows written by four-year-olds. Like, I want an episode of Game of Thrones written by a four-year-old. <laughs> just like a one-off episode, if not like on the Blu-ray, as like a Blu-ray extra, and you just animate it. What would I, I want to see an episode of Law & Order. By a four-year-old. Law and Order SVU by a four-year-old. By a four-year-old. <laughs> you show us on the doll where he touched. Well, he touched the doll right there. That's a bad joke. I'm going to fucking edit that out. That's not funny. <laughs> uh, I probably just. Now, there's no good way to joke about. <laughs> there's not. There's no, no good there's way to, to get into these jokes. Nope. I shouldn't have even tried. No, no. Don't don't blame yourself. It's Axe Cop. Just call an Axe Cop. And into the episode. So, hey, thanks so much for listening, you guys. Um, you know, Rich and I do this thing on the reg, and we're really, really excited that we've been able to bring you, the audience, even more into the show. You know, so again, last time, thanks a lot to Jeremy for the suggestion. And now you're asking yourself, well, how can I get Rich and Robert to watch a show that I suggest? That's a great question, and I'll explain that right now. One of the biggest things you can do to help the show, help Rich and I, is to rate and review us. Uh, you can go on to iTunes. Uh, you can go on Stitcher too, but more than likely, you're probably going to go on iTunes. Where, wherever wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. There's yes. a million ways. People on Android have like 38 different fucking apps that they can listen to. You've, Ridiculous. You've I feel bad for you. Nutty people. But yeah, leave us a rating and a review. Uh, tell us what you think. Uh, and tell us uh, everything, you know, hook us up with a good review and then head on over to the Facebook page. You can search Facebook for picked up podcast and you will find us on there. You can post, you can leave any kind of feedback you like, but there after leaving us a rating and review, you can post a show or multiple shows that you suggest uh, or you suggest and would like us to watch. So, um, yeah, that's the whole process. There's a number of ways you can always get in touch with us. Again, the Facebook page, search Picked Up Podcast. You can email us if you ever need to, uh, Podcast at gmail.com. And one of our favorite ways, you can tweet us. You can find us on Twitter at Picked Up Pod. Yeah, what you got, Rich? Any, any, anything, feedback? Anything? Sorry, edit this out. Oh, no, no, no. No, nothing on Twitter cool. uh, or Facebook this week. Uh, but... Um. Yeah, you can find me personally at Rich Cami on Twitter, Rich Cami Four on Instagram. Um, you could follow me on Facebook because that's an option that I'm realizing. I saw there's a like 
I don't know, Facebook profiles on mobile at least look different now. And you could set up how to like phonetically pronounce a name or something. Oh, I think I did see that. <laughs> yeah, I got to try to figure out how that's done. Um, and yeah, uh, I'll plug it again. Go to ghosttrackers.net um, for a really spooky good time if you're in the Chicago area. Um, keep an eye out for October 24th uh for uh perhaps a pilot screening Ooh. it's gonna be it's gonna be legit network potential here mm-hmm. uh track regans is a, a paranormal expert and his him and his boys um you know they're they're putting a show together and uh that's that's what's gonna happen on the 24th at the bug house theater in chicago illinois um you know, it's going to be the, the, a, a test, a, a screen test, audience test. Yeah. So come on out and provide your feedback. You know, it's basically like an episode of Picked Up, but before the show even exists. Yeah. So that's that's what that is. Yeah, check that out. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at mbravo, mbravo. You can find me on Instagram at real.rob.bravo. Uh, yeah, please keep an eye out. Uh, if you're in the Chicago area, Keep an eye on the bug house uh, off the Irving Park Brown line. The aforementioned Ghost Trackers pilot uh, will be over there, as well as a number of shows throughout the rest of the year. Uh, you can find myself and many friends of the show doing improv and different shows there throughout the year. Uh, yeah, and listen to all the great shows that we have on the Arcade Audio Network. Check out uh, Our Father, um, a very excellent podcast of discovered uh, confessions. Uh, it's great. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Uh, as well as all the other shows are still available on podswoggle.com for the time being. Um, this is like the clunkiest transition of anything ever, but um, it's it's all down the road. Yeah. But that about wraps it up. So for myself, Robert, for Rich, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Picked Up. Keep your dial tuned to awesome. This has been a Podswoggle Network production. Visit podswoggle.com for more of that sweet, sweet entertainment.